0: Our Father, we do want to thank you that it's true that we can sing songs, that you are big and strong and mighty. But please help us to see as we look at the Bible why those songs are true, that we might sing them with our hearts. And we pray for your help. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Exodus chapter 15 and that's on page 57 then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider he is thrown into the sea the Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exhort him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them, and they went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble at the blast of your nostrils the waters piled up the floods stood in a pile the deeps congealed in the heart of the sea the enemy said I will pursue I will overtake I will divide the spoil my desire shall have its fill of them I will draw my sword My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders, you stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them up. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pans have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling, Caesar's the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall on them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign for ever and ever. (coughs) For when the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. he has thrown into the sea. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. (coughs) When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore it was named Mara, And the people grumbled against Moses saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees and they're encamped there by the water. We're going to pause there, and uh, the children are going to go to their different groups. We've got uh, a new room for Kresh to cope with the numbers, and uh, I think uh, uh, Natalie yes. is going to take uh, yes. Natalie yes. or Hannah, the big ones out, yes. and uh, into another place. So. Um, uh, you might need another person to go with you if you're oversubscribed. Uh, now you wait. Um, you, uh, Sina saying she'll go if you want to, but uh, but it may be. But. You organize it and uh, sort out if if you want to stay and start, comes back that 's fine. Oh, we're just getting used to the new uh, numbers of children coming in, so we're adjusting and uh, getting better all the time now it 's wonderful that uh, we 've got new people here. welcome to you if uh Uh, you're aware that uh, uh, this is a a different church Uh, we are just uh, friends together which means at the end of our teaching session from the Bible which is about to happen now if you've got any questions you can ask them if you've got any comments you can say them we're amongst friends and uh, people can join in so I thought I'd give you uh, advance notice that you can have your turn when I've stopped Now we're going to uh, start uh, by, uh, actually I didn't know where Catherine's gone, she's probably taking the children out. Oh, there you are. Uh, In case uh, anybody uh, didn't know, that's Catherine and it's her birthday today. Uh, So uh, Catherine, very, very happy birthday to you and it is just absolutely wonderful. Uh, I won't tell you your age, but uh, (laughs) I wish I I looked like that when I was 50. Here's the question that I want to start this evening with: What will it take to make you sing? Now, most of us, I think, uh, like uh, a, a catchy tune. Most of us like music that helps us to uh, get in that groove. And a lot of us have background music, might be in the kitchen while we're cooking or ironing or doing whatever it is. And the music's there. We like the songs. We sing. And I like singing too, I'm not in the air guitar stage anymore, that's long gone. But uh, uh, last, uh, not last week, but the week before, uh, Deb and I went to an opera that I like and I know. And uh, as I was really getting into it, I found myself being nudged again and again and again. And I was just wondering what annoying habit my wife had just started uh, in the middle of me enjoying such a wonderful opera. And then she whispered fiercely that uh, she was prodding me to stop me singing. Uh, And she apparently uh, liked the people on the stage singing more than she liked me. I like to sing, I just can't. Farah has a room next to my uh, study, and he sings. I need a long-distance prod for him. He likes singing, he can't. But tonight we're not talking about surface singing, which depends on a good mood and a catchy tune. Now, I want to talk about what makes the heart sing. And I want to suggest there's a difference between surface singing and heart singing. Surface singing needs a good tune. Heart singing needs truth. Something that is so deep and important that we can keep singing the heart song even when the tune is not so catchy and life is hard and the tune's uh, fading. And I want to suggest that it would be a great thing for us to learn how to be a singing church and to do that on the hardest days. And we're going to learn how to sing in Exodus chapter 15 because we learn what to sing from Exodus 15. And then sadly we will see what happens when we stop singing and we go from winning to whining as Hannah was telling us. Well, the first thing we want to uh, start and learn (coughs) is that we want to uh, sing victory that's what's happening here Moses and his people are singing in verse 1 and the people Moses and the people who sang this song to the Lord and if you want to know why they're singing you've got to read the last chapter or I'm hoping you were here last week when we saw this happen Pharaoh the king of Egypt he saw that God's people were trapped they were against the sea they had nowhere to escape but really what was happening is God was leading Pharaoh into a trap because he came after the people and as he came after them God led his people into the sea and then closed the sea over Pharaoh and his army and they drowned. And what they discovered in chapter 14, verse 25, if you were here last week, have a look. It shows that the Egyptians discovered, let us flee before uh, Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. That's the lesson the Egyptians learnt. But now, in chapter 15, you see the lesson that God's people learnt. And they sing this song, not just to simply tell us the story all over again, but to tell us in poetry, what is the one lesson they learnt about God. And it's there in verse 3, that uh, the Lord is a man of war, literally, in the Hebrew, a warrior. And poetry is used here, As a really neat way of telling us things that are true, but in a way that tells us more, helps us to picture it better than if you just simply had uh, straight words that tell you the facts. So uh, you've got here uh, a warrior, and against this warrior came all Pharaoh's chariots and horsemen. Now, if you were here last week, you'll know how chariots and horsemen were the latest thing. In fact, in chapters 14 and 15, these chariots and horses are actually mentioned 12 times to get across the impression that this is the height of cutting edge military technology. And this powerful weapon, these chariots, are in the best hands. And it tells us they are in, God, in the, the hands of choice officers. In other words, these are the best fighters in the world at that time. And yet, all this military might comes up against the people of God, and they are stopped and they are destroyed by just one warrior. If you look at the way it's described, it's not as if God's people play any part or make any contribution to this victory it happens simply because of one warrior one warrior is enough and poetry is a a very uh, helpful way of uh, describing how God is personally involved it describes God as a person so in verse 3 you discover that uh, God is a man of war describes him person if you look at verse 6 you see his uh, right hand is glorious in power in verse 7 you see God going ballistic when uh, uh, people are going to hurt uh, when, when, when the enemy will hurt his people it's all very personal this warrior who is there on the battlefield. Last week we saw things slightly more objectively described. So if you look at chapter 14 verse 21, you see how what happened <coughs> to the sea was that a strong east wind blew up against it. And that's why you had two pillars forming up on either side. But when you look at chapter 15 verse 8, you get into the poetry, personal Uh, description of what God has done you look at verse 8 and it says that that wind, that east wind is the blast of his nostrils in other words he is very personally involved and so in verse 11 you see that there is not one single contender who can fight like he can because creation won't listen to anybody else and therefore if you look at all the other nations that are coming up down the track, if you look at the Uh, people in Philistia uh, in verse 14, or the people in Edom in verse uh, 15, or the people in Moab. Well, none of them uh, stand a chance Their gods will not prevail, because there is no other god who can stop the earth swallowing you up and destroying you, apart from this one so it's not just the Egyptians but every single nation in the future will discover this God is a warrior God who fights for his people and wins and that is why his people praise him if you look at verse 2 that's what it says in chapter 15 verse 2 the Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation this is my God and I will praise him you know what warriors have done to them when they've come back and they've won they have decorations placed on them and that is exactly what uh, is happening here praise is if you like the decoration that god's people put on the warrior god because he is a winning god because he is full of victory that's why his people sing praise Is acknowledging the strength and uh, the victory of God just like they uh, pin medals in Buckingham Palace on war heroes so God's people praise him in full because of his uh, great power and his victory and that's why this song is never a song That you're going to sing in chapter 15 and then lock it up because it's just about one battle and okay they won and good we'll sing this is a song that is the mood music for the rest of the Bible and for God's people well into the future so when you get to the very end of the Bible it's really interesting because you get to the book of Revelation and between Revelation chapter 12 and 14 you get the enemy fighting against God's Son and then when you see that battle has been won just turn to the last book of the Bible again Exodus chapter 15 keep a finger and go to Revelation chapter 15 and see what you discover there you see in... uh, Exodus 15, the battle being won next to the sea. Yes? Now you look at Revelation chapter 15, and in chapter, in page 1036, 1036, Exodus 15 to Revelation 15, and in Revelation 15 verse 2, you see again that they are singing next to the sea, And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And there's a victory by that sea in verse 2. And what song do they sing after that victory in verse 3? They sing the song of Moses. In other words, they understand that it is the same victory. And they sing about the same warrior is just and true, the king of nations over Philistia and Moab and Edom as we saw in Exodus chapter 15. They're singing that song in Revelation chapter 15. So what you're looking at in the Bible at the very start in Exodus chapter 15 is that the threat to God's people at the Red Sea is a sign of an ongoing battle with God's people for the rest of time until Jesus comes back. But also you see that the defeat of the enemy in Exodus 15 is a sign of the overall victory that God always will win for his people. And you see that at the end. So this song is not a one-off. It's not meant to be sung and then you stop singing and go on to something else in fact actually you see that if you go back to exodus chapter 15 you see that point being made in the chapter itself because the victory song finishes at verse 18 but then you look and you see in verse 21 miriam takes up her timbre and starts up the song again and it's a repeat of uh, if you look at verse 21 it's a straight repeat of verse 1 in other words the music's not going to be turned off and therefore we need to be Miriam's ourselves and sing that song and sing it over and over again and we need to learn to sing this song about a warrior god even when every line of this song is denied by the tune that the world sings that there is no God and that there is no difference that he will make and there is no ultimate future for those who follow him and when the world is whistling that tune we need to be singing our song that God is a warrior and that he will keep his people safe that as you walk along the streets this warrior God means that if you are one of his people, you will one day stand next to death defeated, the devil defeated. Not because you've contributed anything, but because you've got a warrior God who will bring this victory into your experience. And therefore we need to make this the truth, the song of our hearts, and to learn how to sing it for the rest of our lives, certainly for the rest of this week. Because when the singing stops, verses 22 to 27 happens, and I want to, I should tell this time that we should keep on singing in between <coughs> the start and the end. Because in verses 22 to 27, We see what God wants to do for his people is to grow their trust. Now, in verse 22, you can see that they get to their next water test. And what happens? Victory is forgotten, the singing stops and the grumbling starts. I love the way Hannah went from winning to whining. It's a neat way to summarise this chapter. And it only happens in three days, if you have a look. They went three days in the wilderness and they found no water in verse 22. You might have uh, uh, remembered, if you've been in our church a bit, that we've been thinking recently about how God takes us into different classrooms to teach us different lessons. To help us to be Jesus learners in different situations and if I can put it like this the book of Exodus can be described as two major classrooms in the first part of the story of Exodus in chapters 1 to 14 you see in the classroom how God saves his people from slavery in the second part of the book, in chapters 16 to 40, you see how God's people are saved from slavery to be saved into friendship with God. We understand what that means. We'll see that as we keep going in these coming weeks. But in between, chapter 15, the chapter we're looking at tonight, is, if you like, uh, a gear change chapter uh, if you're a driver you will know that when you press the clutch you go from one gear to the next gear um, <clears throat> um, I don't think my wife has learned that lesson I don't think she uses the clutch um, and so uh, we, we kind of crash from one to the other but uh, in, uh, in, 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 in Exodus it's much more smooth uh, uh, and you go from, uh, sorry, I'm getting a very vicious look here. Um, but if you come lying, you drive with her and you find out. But anyway, uh, in, verses, in verses 1 to 21, you see how, how you still have the flavor of the first lesson. And then, in verses 22 to 27, you see the flavor of the second lesson, where God is growing his trust in people as he wants to draw them into friendship with him. But the interesting thing is this, that when their big problem is that they didn't trust him, he tells us in chapter 15, if you look at the end in verse 26, that he says that the real lesson he wants them to learn is to obey him. Now that's interesting, because that is actually where this uh, journey is going. that he's taking him, uh, from, um, he's taking them, rather, from Egypt. And uh, in Exodus chapter uh, 20, you see that he's taking them to a mountain. At the mountain, he will give them his commands. And so therefore he's taking them. From trust to obedience when you get to chapter 20. But before you get to chapter 20 you will see how God is building up their trust stage by stage, chapter by chapter, so that in chapter 15 you have the lesson about bitter water. In chapter 16 they learn to trust him when there is no food in chapter 17 they will trust him but they won't but he will grow trust in them when they don't have any water again God is growing trust because that is what you build obedience on and if you don't trust God You simply won't obey him. And that is the lesson that uh, we're beginning to see at the end of chapter 15. And uh, we need to understand right from the start the strong link between trust and obedience. If you trust that God will look after you, that he will give you everything that you need then you will obey his command to be generous. If you don't trust him you won't be generous. If you trust this God to look after you emotionally and that you don't need uh, uh, to uh, cling to uh, the affection of anyone else and be dependent on that, then you will begin to follow the commands of this God when it comes to human relationships especially in our day where we want to see how the commands of God are for uh, human love, particularly sexual human love, to be only expressed within a heterosexual marriage. And we will only follow and obey that command if we trust that this God is one who is concerned for us. We will only uh, obey God's command to love our enemies if we trust that he is in charge of our enemies and that he will deal with them. And therefore we don't need to. For our part we can love them instead. So that is how uh, trust and obedience always works together. If you're a parent and you want obedience, feed trust and obedience will come. And so you can see that this God ends the chapter by showing he is fantastically trustworthy because at the end of the chapter, in the last verse, you see that they came to Elim where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees and you don't get a better campsite than that. So what can we take home from this today? I would suggest that one of the things we might want to take home from this if we're new to Christianity and maybe you're just beginning to understand what Christianity is about I hope you've noticed that Christians in their better moments live with joy don't get me wrong Christians can be great whiners and we see that in God's people in this chapter but in their better moments God's people are those who live with joy And maybe you're someone who wants an explanation for that. Because you see that they are no different to anybody else. They go through hard days. They have heavy losses. Why is it that there is quiet confidence in their lives? But my friends, this chapter will give you the answer to that, won't you? Because it tells us that they have a victorious God, a god that they decorate with praise not just on the good days but on the worst days and our appeal to you is for you to have this joy as well for you to have this rock solid confidence in the god who wins and who is uh, living confident of his final victory because the alternative to singing the song of God's victory is just to sing when the tune is right, when the mood is right, when the weather's right. And that uh, superficial music of the world can actually sometimes drown the truth that the opposite is the case, if in front of us is eternal defeat and death and judgment. We need to be those who might be new to Christianity, realising that there's a superficial tune we can live by, but there is a deeper heartfelt joy that can be ours. What happens if you happen to be a bit of a church veteran? You've knocked around churches, you've been to lots of them, and you want to know uh, what uh, to learn from this. Well, my friends, It is true, isn't it, that we can, as Christians, think that what you need to sing praises to God is a jolly good tune. So you buy the worship CDs and you play them in the background. You have God TV going on in the corner. And there are some people who even choose their churches depending on how good the band is and how great the songs are. but it is interesting isn't it when you look at Exodus chapter 15 you don't quite know how they sounded but you know what they said and it's truth that in the end will give you deep heart praise not just uh, uh, a, a, a worship session in a church truth is the thing that can actually deeply grab your life and turn it round And show you the goodness of God. What happens if you are a genuine believer and you've heard sermon after sermon telling you to obey? What would be really great for you to take home today is this understanding that God wants to grow your trust in Him because it is just so humbling to see how quickly we can lose sight of that. Three days and it's gone. Maybe today is Sunday, and you understood that God is a victorious God. Come Wednesday, it would be great to see what songs you're singing then. Because frankly, we can have, all of us, what we might call our Mara moments. Remember the Mara water that was bitter? Where in the same way we can have our Mara moments, we can hit something that is pretty bitter, It may not be three days, it could be three hours. My friends, that is the day in which God is wanting to grow your trust. Don't see it that God has left you. See it as the opportunity that God is growing your trust and your confidence in Him. See the beautiful connections that you get in this chapter where you sing the song of victory, where you grow trusting God, so that ultimately you might live your life in wonderful obedience, diligently listening to the voice of the Lord and doing what is right in his eyes. That's the life you want. See what leads to it deep trust, deep praise and obedience will come. But let me uh, allow allow you to have a, a minute where you process that, where you maybe talk to God about that. Maybe if you're someone who's new to Christian things you might say Lord please help me to have such confidence in your victory that I live with that understanding of you as a warrior and my future is in your hands if you're a person who's new Christianity that would be a great way to talk to God right now if you're someone who's been around church maybe said Lord maybe you want to say to God Lord I've I've not been praising you because my praise has been superficial grow in me deep praise based on what's true and use these words to make them your song maybe you're someone who is going through a hard time, maybe you've got a mara moment right now pray that God will grow your trust let's have one minute you talk to God in whatever way you like but quietly in your heart no one will hear and then after one minute I will pray to God and we'll take questions and answers after that. Let's have a moment to quiet first. Well, let me pray. Father in heaven, you reveal yourself as our warrior. Please help, you to help us to decorate you with praise and to trust you so that we carefully listen to your voice and do what is right in your eyes amen Amen.